Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. Today, I'm joined by JJ Cummings from our threat intelligence and interdiction team. Uh, thanks for your time, JJ. I know you're you're a busy guy. Got a lot going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's never a dull day in uh, trying to track and find the bad guys. So today we're going to be talking about the Ukraine-focused task force that you're a part of. Today we are releasing a new graphic novel that our graphics team worked on and that Hazel Burton from Cisco Secure worked on as well. Uh, and then there's also the ThreatWise TV episode about the task force that came out two weeks ago at this point. So I'll be linking to both of those in the show notes. And JJ, you were you know a big part of both of those pieces of content and obviously the the creation and the work of the ongoing task force. So, you know, I know you've been asked about a lot of this stuff tons of times already. So I apologize if I'm making you kind of rehash this stuff again. But uh, can we just start by hearing the story of, of how this task force started initially and, and how your involvement began? Uh, was this kind of like an instantaneous thing where we knew immediately, like, a- as soon as the invasion began, like, hey, we have to do something? Yeah, I mean, we we did know early on, John, that, that we needed to do something, and we certainly had the idea and, you know, dare I say, the, the forethought uh, to start to prepare. Um, we didn't know what that was going to look like, though, certainly, right? We didn't know how big it was going to grow to internally. Uh, we didn't know how many Ukrainian organizations were going to say, yes, uh, please help us. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I'm going to rehash kind of the, we, we didn't know how big it was going to grow internally. Once the invasion actually occurred and Ukraine started to reach out for help, we had piles and piles of internal, uh, not only internal to Talos, but internal to Cisco at large. Uh, of of people kind of reaching out saying, hey, how can we help, right? What can we do? And a lot of this followed uh, a lot of our public statements in terms of like the blog that uh, Matt Olney put out and and the blog that Cisco put out at large. People reached out to us and, and asked how they could help and really just kind of evolved over time, right? We started with a, a much smaller team and a, a much more, I'm not going to say focused idea because the, the whole team is still very focused, but you know, maybe a little bit less less focused because we didn't have as many personnel as certainly as we do now. So for somebody who might not know, uh, you know, like maybe they're reading the graphic novel for the first time, just coming across this, can you kind of give me the, the quick elevator pitch of what this task force is working on right now and just kind of what your, your guys' main goal is? Yeah, sure. So we are operating now in a pretty large number, in excess of 40 critical infrastructure, key resource targets, if you will, or organizations inside of Ukraine. And and what we're doing is we have Cisco security tooling all the way down to the end point and places in between inside of these environments where we're able to identify and monitor, effectively work side by side with our Ukrainian counterparts to to hunt through this data. Or we're looking for things that, uh, certainly the unusual things, things that might be unexpected that we hadn't seen before, right? This is a brand new behavior, for example, that we've never seen. And then trying to understand and identify, is this something that is malicious? Is this something that's benign? Is this something that we all need to get on a phone call uh, with our Ukrainian counterparts and and talk through and understand what this is? 
is this definitely malicious and where might it be coming from? That's actually kind of a an interesting thing as well, right? One of the things, and we've talked about this, one of the things that we are also seeing in this conflict are other parties who are supporting either Ukraine or Russia kind of jumping into the mix, right? So certainly we see ransomware groups that purport to support Russia uh, and, and they're jumping into the mix. We see hacktivists on both sides of the fence kind of doing the same thing, which really serves to muddy the waters and, and make our jobs that much more complex because certainly we see those actions and our goal is to stop their actions as well. But they tend to be, not all the time, they just tend to be a little bit more noisy and, and in some cases less sophisticated, right? Depending on the exact intent or actor involved. So got this large group of, of personnel that are doing this on a daily basis, as I had mentioned, kind of side by side with our Ukrainian counterparts. And then we've got kind of another effort that encompasses our, what I would call OSINT or our, or our open source intelligence group. Uh, and that's got well over 500 personnel in it at this point. Their job is is relatively straightforward. It's one, though, that, that nobody can do on their own. And it's it's kind of a powerful story. This is where the personnel that maybe don't have a lot of experience with cybersecurity or security in general come, but they have language and geopolitical knowledge and skills. So they're out there basically scouring the internet, news and social media and all of the things that might be available and identifying articles of interest or posts of interest in social media and then flagging those to our our more focused geopolitical analysts so that we can qualify those and, and try and use that to make determinations or estimations and assessments about what we think might happen next from a cyber uh, and sometimes even a kinetic perspective as related to. I know. I feel like it's crazy that it's been a year already. Well, a year plus at, at this point, because everything's just kind of changing and happening so quickly. Where, where do you kind of feel like Talos's work in Ukraine stands right now versus where it did a year ago? Like have, have the challenges or the threats that we're addressing really changed all that much versus day one? Or is it still kind of the same things that we've been worried about and concerned about from the get-go? Yeah, certainly. So uh, the the conflict itself has has changed over time to a degree anyway. Certainly it has persisted and continued uh, from a kinetic perspective. Uh, and then I think the notion also of destroying certain things kinetically, you know, I look at things like the power grid uh, that, that have been heavily attacked uh, over the last, you know, however many months it's been. Uh, that those have been attacked. We certainly saw attempted attacks, and even in some cases, some successful attacks against that type of critical infrastructure. But I think that it was substantially less Im less impactful than than Russia might have wanted. And I think you know, subsequent to that, they decided to kinetically go after these things because that's, from a certain point of view, uh, as long as your munitions actually makes it to target, it's, it's much more assured destructive event. Unfortunately. You know, in terms of what we're watching out for, things that we're seeing, uh, a lot hasn't necessarily changed. Our our goal is to identify things early enough on in the kill chain that we're able to stop them before they actually turn into something really, really bad. One of the things that, that I explain, and, and it's been this way from the beginning, the conflict, I explain this to the personnel that are uh, deeply involved in the task unit and, and what, what it is that we do. We may never know the true impact of what we have from a positive perspective, right? If we see something early on and we stop some type of a horribly destructive attack, 
that maybe will take down a, a hospital or uh, you know power to an entire region where defense mechanisms are, are in place and, and being powered. We may never know that. In doing so and not knowing that, that really means to me that we're doing our job, trying to identify operational tempos of the bad guy, right? Certainly, we see ebb and flow where bad guy comes at Ukraine really, really uh, hot and heavy, so to speak. Uh, and then they they back off for a while. And typically when, when that happens, they're trying to develop additional techniques, additional footholds, right? They're, they're taking their time to reestablish access and, and identify what specific targets they might want to go after. Yeah, and, th- and that diversity is, I think, something that's important to this team. You know, not just diversity based on, like, you know, demographics or anything like that, but people's backgrounds and level of knowledge. So do you kind of feel like having that combination has really helped you guys having such a diverse set of of skills and backgrounds on the team? It absolutely has. This has been, um, in a tragic way, this has been a good experience for us, right? I don't, I don't know how else to say that. No, yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. And but it, it, it absolutely has been a tremendous tool in our tool belts to have the diversity of, of personnel that we have with the different viewpoints, with the different backgrounds and knowledge of historic events throughout that region of the world, and and certainly extending beyond to help us also understand, uh, estimate, you know, what else we might think happen or what else we think might occur as a result of this in other parts of the world, right? Is this going to spur some other nation state to take some other type of action, either in support of Russia or independently for their own purposes, because this other conflict is is going on and they, you know, they maybe estimate that these world powers that are aiding Ukraine are now too busy to worry about other things, for example. So one of the things that I know that you and, and Matt Olney and a lot of our other folks have really talked about, especially in like the Threatwise episode when I watched it, is our personal connection to the country of Ukraine and the people there. The fact that we've had a longstanding relationship with the people there and a lot of organizations there, this obviously made it a bit more personal for us. So what's kind of something about this conflict or Ukraine in general that you think maybe somebody who's just at home who has been watching news coverage not know about Ukraine or its people or this conflict? It's a great and a difficult question at the same time to to be able to answer, John. I think for me, having spent some time in country and having gotten to know quite a number of individuals at a, a deeply personal level that we've had the opportunity to work with well before the invasion, to me, that's kind of what, what really draws me into it. It's very personal because I know these people. I know how much that they have historically fought for their freedoms it's a it's a daily and ongoing fight, and it was before. But I mean, it's it's an amazing people, right? They're an amazingly resilient people, as clearly evidenced by their ability to to withstand uh, and stand against, frankly, Russia, mm-hmm. and do so in a very successful way. Awesome. Well, uh, that's all the questions I have for you today, JJ. I appreciate you talking about this with me, and like I said in the the show notes and on the blog, folks can check out all the other stuff that you've been involved with uh, with this. So. Appreciate your time as always. Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate you having me again. And uh, I look forward to, to this getting out there 